Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast of First United Methodist Church in Opelika. We'd love for you to join us for worship each Sunday at 9 o'clock or 10.30 a.m. To learn more about First United Methodist, visit us online at fumcopelika.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at fumcopelika. Thanks for tuning in. As you've already heard this morning, uh, we are wrapping up our sermon series, Why? And looking at the question today, uh, why church? And so this morning, uh, we're going to turn to a passage of scripture from the book of Hebrews. And this is what you need to know about the book of Hebrews. Uh, some scholars say that it's not really a book. It's just one of the longest sermons ever recorded, which makes me feel better as a preacher. But this is what you need to know. Uh, For 10 chapters, uh, the author, some say it's Paul, some say it's not Paul, that's not really important, Uh, but for 10 chapters, uh, the preacher has been preaching. And when we get to chapter 11, uh, the preacher is reaching the pinnacle of his sermon, where he wants to remind us that it is by faith, by faith, Uh, that we come to know and experience God's full activity in the world. Uh, So as we look at our scripture today, uh, think of it as a sermon. Listen for the rhythm. Uh, Pay attention to the cadence of the preacher. Take note of the common refrain. Uh, Look for the names of people that you maybe learned about when you were a child but haven't thought about in a really long time. Because the names that are listed, it's like reading the role of the Hall of Fame of Faith. So as you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? From Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, The walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? What more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets. Don't even get me started on the prophets. 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. The living God, speak to me. Speak through me. If necessary, speak in spite of me, but always beyond me. God, as you speak, give to us open ears, soft hearts, and courageous minds, that we might be shaped by your word and our lives might be ordered according to your wisdom, which orders all things for good. Hear this our prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. If you woke up tomorrow and you found yourself driving through downtown Opelika, and you get to the corner of 7th Street and Avenue A, and you look out your window, and First United Methodist Church no longer existed, what would be missing? What would our neighbors in downtown say was missing? If you woke up tomorrow, drove to the intersection right here, 7th Street and Avenue A, and First United Methodist Church was gone, if it disappeared in an instant, what would our city say was missing? Better question. If First United Methodist Church no longer existed tomorrow, what would be missing from your life? What would be missing from your life? Uh, if First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, uh, about 75 to 80 preschool students uh, would show up to our campus in August expecting to go to school, but there would be no school because Sunshine Preschool would no longer exist. Now, uh, Drew Speakman and our preschool teachers, they're really capable, so I'm sure they could pull together and maybe find another place to, to have school. If First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, Alcoholics Anonymous would have to find another place to meet. Now, I bet they could find another place downtown to meet, but I bet the parking wouldn't be near as convenient. I wonder if you know this. Our backpack ministry feeds about 120 students in our school system who are food insecure. So if First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, about 120 students would leave school every Friday without adequate food for the weekend. And some of our own youth, uh, they feel like uh, the fourth floor, the youth building on the fourth floor, is the only place in all of God's creation where they feel like they wholly and fully belong. So I guess if First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, the youth building would disappear too, and our young people wouldn't have a place where they feel like they fully belong. If First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, we'd have to find another place for funerals, another place for weddings. Our Sunday school classes would have to find another place to meet, and that would be hard because some of them have been meeting together on our campus for generations. But they wouldn't have a place to meet. And our musicians, our chancel choir, you'd have to find another place to play and sing. 
You'd have to go and make another community half as proud of you as we are. If First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, what would be missing from your life? Did you know that the fastest growing a religious group in America is the nuns? Now, that's not the N-U-N-S nuns, though that would be newsworthy. It's the N-O-N-E-S nuns. N-O-N-E-S. And the nuns, are a, they're a subset of American people who, when polled and asked to identify their religious affiliation, check the box, none. Now here's the difficult truth I have to tell you today. For the nuns, for this particular subset of the American population, the church on the corner of 7th Street and Avenue A has disappeared. This subset of the American population has said that the institutional church doesn't offer anything to me. In fact, when polled and asked, what are the first words that come to mind when you hear the word church do you know what their responses are? Homophobic, hypocritical, judgmental, and insensitive to the needs of others. Now, don't shoot the messenger. I'm not calling balls and strikes. I'm just telling you what the research data says. Homophobic, hypocritical, judgmental, and insensitive to the needs of others. And why would anyone miss a church like that? Especially if that church was a place, and I want us to be especially sensitive to this this morning, especially if that church was a place of physical, sexual, or spiritual abuse. I mean, I have friends, you probably have friends who grew up in the church, you were in the same youth group together, and today they're just totally disinterested in the church. And you know what they're particularly disinterested in? The infighting, the politics, the, the battles that go on. Uh, they tell me this. They say, Patrick, I'm just tired of all the, the fighting and the politics and the battles. I'm tired about arguing about whether you can bring coffee in the sanctuary or if you have to finish it before you come in. I'm tired of hearing folks argue about styles of worship or the color of the carpet. I'm tired of arguing about whether or not God really loves all of God's children. Patrick, I don't want to get caught up in that mess. And they're tired of the infighting because they see the infighting as standing in the way of the church actually attending to the suffering of the world. They see the infighting as standing in the way of the church actually being the church. So they say it to me. They probably say it to you. You know the refrain. They say, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And they tell me all the time, uh, Patrick, I don't need to come to church to find God. I can find God on a mountaintop, in a sunset, at the lake or the beach. Now, uh, it's not clear to me which God it is they find there. Uh, personally, I'm unconvinced that the God they find there is the same God we worship here, but I'm just telling you what they say. I actually have one friend who has tried to convince me that he finds God on the golf course. How convenient. 
Again, I'm unconvinced, but you know, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. After all, I've been told that he invokes God's name every time his ball winds up in the pond. So they tell me this. They tell you this. I mean, some of you, uh, you probably have kids or grandkids who tell you this. And it hurts. Because you did everything right. You did it right. You raised them in the church. You signed them up for vacation Bible school. They went all week, every summer. When they were old enough, you even got them confirmed. You stuck them in the youth group, put them on a van, sent them on a mission trip or a choir tour. But today, they couldn't care less about the church. And some of you are sitting there wondering, why aren't they here? Why does the church not seem to matter to them? Because it matters so much to you. You did everything right. You did everything right. And yet they check the box, none. Which is just another way of saying that if the church on the corner of 7th Street and Avenue A disappeared tomorrow, nothing would be missing from their life. Can I just say, I get it. I get it. I do. I mean, critics of the church, it's not like they don't have a leg to stand on. They do. The problem is, we judge the church against perfection. We judge the church against perfection, but the church has never been perfect. And can I just say, if you thought the church was perfect, let me tell you, it ceased being perfect when you showed up. (laughs) The church has never been perfect because the church is made up of imperfect people. To steal a line from Tim Thompson, the church is full of messy mortals. Uh, For example, uh, think with me again about the scripture that you heard read. Uh, Recall some of the names that are listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And let's remember that those people who were included in the Hall of Fame of Faith, they had some really good seasons. They had some seasons where everything was going right in their life, where they were uh, tuned in to what God was saying, and their lives reflected that faithfulness. On their best days, on their very best days, these are people who were faithful to God's call in their lives. But those names that we read in Hebrews 11, they're more than just pious faces, poised in stained glass memories. I mean, sure, on their best days, uh, they were faithful to God's call. But on their worst days, they had issues, serious issues. Complicit Gideon, fearful Barak, violent Samson. And then there's the name that drops like a stone in my stomach. Jephthah. Jephthah who sacrificed his daughter because of a poorly worded vow. A man who could not trust God with his weakness. A man whose um, own insecurities, whose need for self-justification, whose need to be right, stopped the beating heart of the next generation. And friends, I don't call that faith. I don't call that faith. But there he stands. There they stand, honored alongside the likes of Abraham and Moses. 
So I get it. I get it when people say to me, why would I ever want to be involved with a motley crew like that? Why would I want to be connected to an institution that claims them in the Hall of Fame? It's a fair question. But this is what I've come to learn. If I don't rush to answer, if I sit with that for like half a second, this is what I come to realize. I come to realize deep down in my bones that I am capable of the same thing. I'm capable of the good they represent, but I am also equally capable of the hurt and the harm that they caused. I mean, we're capable of our best moments, are we not? But we're also capable of the very worst moments, too. And yet we trust by faith that none of us are the very best thing we've ever done in life. We'd like to think we are, but we're not. And we trust by faith that none of us are the very worst thing we've ever done in our life. And we trust by faith that somehow God is working through it all. We trust by faith that God is working in us and through us and maybe in spite of us. We trust by faith that our stories are connected to a bigger story. And I wish my unchurched friends knew that. And I got to tell you, I love my friends even if they don't love the church. And can I tell you a secret? I think God loves them too. I just wish that they were able to experience the grace and the mercy of God extended by an entire community. I wish they knew what it was like to be loved by an entire community, a community of people made up of folks that you would never choose to be in community with if given the choice. I mean, as a Methodist preacher, I am always acutely aware, you didn't choose me. I didn't choose you. But by God... Here we are. <laughs> I wish my friends could experience a life group or a Sunday school class and discover a place where it was safe to risk vulnerability. I wish they had a place where they could share what was actually going on in their lives and not just the things that they deem safe for social media. I can't tell you what would be missing from your life if First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow. But I can tell you what would be missing from mine, and it's not just my paycheck. Now, this is why church for me, at 32 years old, this is why church for me in 2022. The church that I grew up in had this giant prayer tower with a cross on the top, it was a defining architectural feature of that church. It's kind of like our dome. And throughout my adolescence, anytime I felt alone, anytime I was scared, anytime I felt fear, anytime I was worried or nervous or uncertain, I would find that prayer tower. And I would look to that cross. And I could walk through the doors of that church and take a deep breath. And this church reminded me that I am never alone. 
growing up, on the days when it was unclear who I was or who I belonged to or where I fit in, the church was a place of welcome and warmth and grace. The church helped remind me that I belong to God. And on the toughest days of my life, the church was there, truly. I can look back on my life and I can see that at every critical juncture in my life, there was someone from the church. As someone who was not a part of my biological family. Someone that I could talk to. Someone that I could lean on. Someone that I could process and pray with. And on the best days of my life, I could also look to that prayer tower and see that cross And it would remind me that I am not the center of the universe. It would remind me that my story is a small part of a much bigger story. The church was a place where I knew I belonged. It was the place that taught me that I belonged to Christ, that I was loved by God no matter what, period, end of conversation. And can I just say, at its best, That's what the church is. That's what the church is. It is a collection of people who are united by a shared experience of faith. It's a collection of people united by a shared experience of faith and a shared mission of creating a community for all of God's people to belong. A place where others can experience the love of Christ and begin to walk in his ways. It's a place where everyone's experience, everyone's struggles and hurts, everyone's habits and hang-ups, everyone's questions are welcome and met with grace. That's who we are at our best. But you and I both know that we are not always at our best. And that's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. I mean, you heard the scripture, by faith, Abraham... By faith, Moses. By faith, Gideon. By faith, David. By faith, Samuel. By faith, Rahab. You know, I could tell a similar story. I could tell a similar story of imperfect people who love a perfect God. My version would go something like this. By faith, the church is 30 days of casseroles By faith, the church is 30 days of casseroles, some concoction of cream of mushroom soup. It just shows up on your doorstep after surgery. You don't know how it got there. Uh, Nobody knew. You certainly didn't request it, but there it is. By faith, the church is feeding, nourishing, and caring. And by faith, the church is a life group or a Sunday school class that has surrounded you for the last year or years of your life. You've shared with them your deepest fears and your greatest struggles. You've let them know that you're in a soul-sucking career and it's time to get out. You didn't know what new job would come or if it would even come. You were just praying for something and then you find out on a Friday that you got the new job and they're the first people you call. They're the first people you call. They rejoice with you, but they also help you to remember that this achievement was not of your own doing, that you're the same person today that you were yesterday, and that your value and worth has never been defined by a paycheck or a title. By faith, there it is. 
it appears in the mail, a handwritten note letting you know that you are being prayed for. You weren't there when it arrived. You were at the hospital receiving your third chemo treatment and you've never felt less alive in your entire life. But there it is. A note reminding you of the prayers of this community. And you know that all the people praying for you, they may not know who you are, they certainly don't know all the details of your story, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that you belong to them, and they're going to pray for you. Uh, By faith, the church shows up on distant shores of developing nations. You got on a plane thinking that you were going to serve. I mean, you're an American, you're there to produce something, right? You thought you were going abroad to serve, but you ended up being served. A stranger in a foreign land opens up their home and prepares a feast. They heard you were coming, so they sent off and killed the fatted calf. It's a sign of Christ's love wrapped in hospitality. And you discover that the church is an institution that knows no bounds. You discover that the church is a place where borders are crossed and barriers get torn down. By faith... The church finds you. You've lost the love of your life. Forty years of marriage. Or maybe you lost a parent. Or even worse, maybe you've lost a child. And your grief numbs every part of your life. And rightfully so. There's a knock at the door. It's someone from the church. They've come just to sit with you and talk. And truthfully, they don't have a lot to say, but you discover that they are more comfortable with your tears than you are. And by faith, you come to know in a new way what it means to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and discover that thou art with me. Don't even get me started on the rest. For time would fail me to tell you. That's the church. That's who we are. That's who we are, and don't you ever forget it. We are the body of Christ, and our imperfect stories are caught up in a bigger story. Our imperfect stories become a part of God's story. And friends, you cannot do faith or this life alone can't. So that's why church for me in 2022. That's why church for me at 32 years old. Why church for you? If First United Methodist Church disappeared tomorrow, what would be missing from your life? Why church for you? Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of this life, for the gift of sharing life together, for the gift of this, your church. We pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would help us to live more fully and more faithfully so that we can share your love with the world, so that we can be who we are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.